This week on The Reverse Stick, the lottery ticket of a government-funded sport. The game grows in India by moving it there. And remember, kiddies, always check your recipients before you click send. Welcome to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. My name is John Lee and I'm joined by Matt Allen. Oh, I haven't got the sound effect. I was trying to do the cheery crowds and all that sort of stuff. What, for, for me? Yeah. You forgot to put, uh, my name is broadcaster, John <laughs> Lee. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Nice yeah. to see your article in uh, edition 14 or 15, whichever way you look at it, of Hockey World News this week. Something I did notice from listening back to last week's show. Uh, Jade was very bullish talking about his Patreon uh, account, patreon.com forward slash Hockey World News. Of course, you can go to patreon.com forward slash The Reverse Stick to support us. Um, Towards the end, uh, he said, of course, you can follow us on our Patreon account. Turned him. Did you? Oh, you did? Just like I would do on the hockey field. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rinsed. I'd rinse him. him. Uh, Yeah, no, it was good. Maybe we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks when there's... I mean, there hasn't been much time for any sort of response, so... It's out there now. So it's out now. Yeah, get hold of it. Get on and uh, you can follow Hockey World News and all those socials. Good articles yeah. in there. We talked about it last week. Catch up with show 131 if you want to read more about that. It's, of course, week, uh, week issue show 132. 132. This no. week. You had a good hockey week. Get your eyes on much. Oh, we had a good game of uh, fives the other night, even uh, though I was absolutely knackered. You hardly move. Yeah, well, we, we teamed up, didn't we? And we <laughs> had a draw against my, my regular side. Um, yeah. Unbeaten. Just, I'll just note that. You guys? The Master Crabs, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, we've had two draws this year. Though. I'm beaten in about four or five years, but two draws this year, both against you you boys. It was really funny walking off the field. Like I had no idea. I, I had absolutely no idea. Most of us had none. Smiley. He's the only man. That's the only reason I know any... He realise he counted. No, he counts every single goal, every single week. He'll even remember them. You can go back to him in a month's time and go, what, what was the score last time we played against these folks? Oh, 15-2. <laughs> All right, I think, I think we, uh, you go, you go uh, yeah, 8-0 up at um, half-time. They scored two just after the break. You go, but how do you remember? Why do you remember this? Uh, I don't know. I might be a bit croaky today, too. Why is that? Oh, Thursday. Because it's Friday. Yeah. And Thursday night's... Oh, band. band. Yeah. yeah, band camp. Yeah, oh, we get together and practice our drag flicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll see what, how we go. I had a bit of a rude start to the day. Um, got a coaching course happening on Sunday. I've got to do, <laughs> got to do a course before doing the coaching course and Australian Institute of Sport course. We'll talk more about oh, really? that coming up in the show. How much did that cost you? Uh, it, that was actually free. That, oh, that, that component. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's probably my, well, my fault well. there in a the hole. You got uh, something out of them for free. And, uh, so right, I'll just sit down. I'll knock this off. You will need three and a half to four hours to complete these <laughs> modules. Oh, shit. Sugar. Hughes. <laughs> uh, let's start on the playing field, shall we? And first up in the previous column, nothing that we haven't talked about before. Nothing's been going on internationally wise in no. the last week. There was, Except there, for... was, there was something in the, uh, and there's going to be a new sponsor every week now, John, I've decided. Okay. In the Hockey Dreams Foundation FIH Pro League this week. Oh. Really? Yeah, well, I think... Look, if what is the competition called? If they're not going to get a sponsor, we've got to go with charity sponsors and do, do something for the good of the planet. And uh, let's, let's, just, let's just give a new sponsor every week when we talk about the Hockey Dreams Foundation FIH Pro League. That's a very sensible idea, Matt. Uh, let's start with the women, shall we? What games have we had over the last week there? Uh, 
Well, there's no China versus Belgium game, of course. Um, Kiwis, Kiwis in action against the States on the home turf. Yep, and it was a 3-1 victory in Game 1 to New Zealand over the US, and in Game 2, another 3-1 victory there. Um, US playing a bit better than the previous games, but uh, still not quite there. You wouldn't think... I think the two players short of being really competitive... Oh, um, a, lot, a fair bit of upheaval there. Uh, that puts yeah, a, a lot of stuff's been going on. Olivia Mary up to six goals in the Pro League so far this year, top of the table in the goal-scoring charts. She's just been a dynamite, hasn't she, yeah. since she Pro League started. Uh, then we came to the, the probably the big games of the weekend. It was Argentina versus the Netherlands. And in Game 1, Argentina got up with a 2-0 victory, a goal just before... Um, Full time there, sealing the victory. Uh, very tight, tough tussle. And game three, oh sorry, game two of the weekend, uh, tables turned. This time it was a two goal difference, but a 3 1 scoreline in favour of the Netherlands. And they tied it up nicely right in the death knell as well to make it three there. Uh, after Argentina had opened the scoring in the first half. So a couple of very interesting games. Weather once again impacting the, mm. uh, the hockey in Argentina. We saw that last year at a similar time of the year. Um, nothing you can yeah, do about that. that. Just have to live with it. Um, yeah, well, it, it's going to happen. What was interesting is that they, they is it, stay. There, there is there are some times in the year in different parts of the world where there's a, a better chance of it not raining than it actually yeah, raining. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you're always going to you're always going to be subjected to the whims of the weather, and they're not always going to fall your way, are they? I mean, we've seen it here in Australia in the middle of summer, cricket matches being rained out and things like that. So yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, but some interesting games. It didn't finish till what was it, 11.35 at night or yeah. something. It was interesting they waited out to comp- comp- complete the game, which they didn't appear to do to the same extent in Sydney. Now, maybe I'm, I'm just a bit funny with my memories of that, but... Because um, yeah. well, well done as well to the Buenos Aires crowds for coming yeah, out yeah. in force there. And weren't the crowds there? Yeah. Uh, so that's what's happened. That leaves the table looking like this. Netherlands in top position with 15 points. New Zealand in second position. They're on 10 points with three wins from six games. Argentina in third on nine points. And Australia round out the top four on nine points. Belgium, Great Britain, Germany, China and the US. Uh, having played five games and uh, not picked up a single point yet. Uh, China probably not going to be picking up too many more points for the rest of the tournament. It's still no determination on what exactly is going on there with China. Um, will they play a game at all? And what does that mean? And should they, should they just maybe cut cut it now and just say, look, China, apologies, but it's not going to work. You're no, out. I don't, no, gonna... I don't think that's, that wouldn't be fair on the athletes. We could find that... that um, well, it's, not, it's not called... What's it called now? covid Something or other. COVID nine or something like that. Um, you know, could all be cleared up in two weeks, John. It, it could be. It could also get a whole lot worse, and there's no Tokyo Olympics. We don't know yet. We'll wait and see how that one pans yeah, out. Yeah. Okay, let's get on to the uh, the men's side of things, shall we? And click. The, oh, I'm so good at this computer stuff, yeah, very, man. Look at very this. good, mate. Very good. There it goes. So in New Zealand again, same venue, taking on the Spanish. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you want, sorry. I'll go with that. 4-1 win to the Spanish in Game 1 and a 3-2 turnaround win for New Zealand in Game 2. That was just after, you know, we commented last week that we didn't think they'd win a game. Well, it worked, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I knew that they, they listened to the podcast, Matt. I thought we'd plant the seed and look what it did for them. 
amazing turnaround by the New Zealand team. Well done. They deserved the victory. They were, they were really good in that second game. And it was a feisty little affair as well with a, a lot of video umpiring decisions to be made, Matt. Yeah. Uh, which does tend to drag the game out a little bit for mine, but it's the system and it's there. Um, Arge- uh, the other games for the weekend were Argentina taking on the Netherlands. Now, I reckon everybody was looking forward to these games. Uh, game number one ended in a two-all draw. Um, yes, Argentina opened the scoring there. I believe they did. Uh, anyway... Either way, it ended up in a shootout. <laughs> Look, see, I told you, it was a big night last night. Second, second uh, game was a shootout as well after a 2-2 draw. So yeah, it was, uh, very na- evenly matched teams, yeah. aren't they? And uh, Netherlands got up on both occasions, 3-1 and 4-3, in the shootout to take the bonus point. In both games. In both so games. they took two extra points. Only. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that two teams that are obviously so close together walk away with such vastly different results from the weekend's hockey, all based on a little tack on at the end of the game that has nothing to do with the actual contest that was being played before it. So that's two winning draws and two wins from the Netherlands uh, and add that to a losing draw. They uh, learn. Top of the table? No, second. Belgium? Oh, no, Netherlands, Netherlands talking sorry. About. Yeah, on 11 yeah, Belgium points. are up at the top of 14, then the Netherlands 11. Yeah. India 8. Uh, they've only played four games as opposed to Belgium and Netherlands having played six. Spain's played eight games in fourth position on seven points. Not good enough, I wouldn't have thought. They're following a very similar pattern to last year, Matt. Yeah. Um, well, it's going to be interesting, these these two games between India and Australia this weekend that will level up the amount of games played with the top two sides there and we'll yeah. have a clear reflection of where we're at. Are India going to be a real threat? Do they take the six points of Australia and draw level at the top with the, with Belgium, or do Australia claw themselves up into into second spot, or do we say stay pretty much well, as I'm, we I'm are? I'm waiting to see what sort of travel schedule India have. Um, that's going to really sort them out. Uh, I think while they're at home in Babanuswar, they're going to be a fairly fim- formidable team. But once yeah, they that's get what on you, the road, you want. That you want a bit of that oh, home. Yeah. You want that home advantage. You want the crowds behind you. You want people to perform better on their own track and defend their uh, the fortress, don't you? Once again, though, the, the fixturing just annoys me. I know there's difficulties because of there's supposed and alleged difficulties. I, I get them, but you know the idea that India are going to play what six or eight games and still be at home. Um, well, no. Look, you've got to look at the, the brilliant situation that Germany find themselves in the women's comp. They're sitting in seventh on the ladder, on zero points, zero games played. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, but uh, you know, how, how, there's other teams that are doing the hard yards as far as travel goes. I mean, just just the case of Australia going to India this week. They played games at home. And then they're going to go to India, and then going to come back. Well, they've actually played games in Sydney. They've been going from their base in Perth to Sydney, and back to Perth, and back to Sydney. You know, yeah. that's a four and a half hour flight, flight, flight time each time. But uh, I'm going out for really a weekend. Interesting to see how India's travel schedule works out, as opposed to some of the other travel schedules that teams are asked to, to comply with. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's um, pro league. What's coming up? Uh, let's have a look here. There's games Australia or India. We mentioned them. They're coming up in the next 24 hours. Uh, Argentina are playing New Zealand in New Zealand. and um, That's a week that's away the, now, isn't it? So the oh, only, yeah, only, only, only pro league games for the men this weekend. Are, uh, Australia are, versus are, India. Yeah, the ones in India. Is yeah. that the only pro league games on? Have we got women's games on this oh, weekend? I'm just checking that now. And I think you'll find that... Um, 
Uh, yes, no, that's it. Yeah, I thought that's so. the only pro league games Germany are playing uh, South Africa in some men's tests. Yeah, and that's interesting that the Germans are participating in the pro league, but they're finding time to go out and play games in South Africa in between pro league fixtures. Well, who are they drawn to play next? They might be on their way down here. So, um, on the men's side of things, Germany have only played two games. Yeah. So, which is one weekend of hockey, isn't it? It doesn't really engender fans to you play one week and then you're not doing. Well, it no, but they've they've also, they had, they've had an opportunity within their fixturing as well, and maybe they thought indoor is the important thing in that respect for them. Yeah, definitely. And and we'll get to indoor in a minute. Just some upcoming things. Uh, we talked about the South Africa Germany men's test matches. Four of them. There's a men's indoor Pan Am Cup happening at Lancaster, the USA. Uh, 14 games going on there, 25th to the 29th. Women's indoor. Pan Ams as well at the same time there's senior men's and senior women's and the women's junior Asia Cup happening in Kagamigahara that's from the 6th to 12th of April pretty much a uh, bit of a warm up that one Germany's next fixtures 19th of March at home versus Belgium in Mönchengladbach when then, what date's that? that's on the sorry this is the 19th of March of March then that's their next pro league yeah yeah at home at home versus Belgium in Mönchengladbach Two days later, they play Australia, right? Yeah. A day after that, they play Australia, 21st and 22nd of March. Yeah. And then on the 26th of March, they play Belgium again, this time in Hamburg. Okay. So they play four in seven days. Yeah, leave that alone. <laughs> and then, no, 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 and get this. Oh, no, no, no. and then two days after that, they then play New Zealand on a double header. And then they don't do anything for a month, so they play. They play from the 19th of March to the 29th of March, a 10-day period. They play six games. Yeah. Oh well. wow. You well, maybe you know, maybe that's what they've requested because they're looking at Olympic well, we, Olympic preparation. We were, and they want that tournament-style fixturing. We heard last year that they didn't want to be involved, and maybe this is the compromise the FIH has had to make to keep them in the competition. No, we're not doing that. This is what we've got going on well, here. This is what we're going on there. We'll fit it in between. Yeah, well, there's a lot a lot of decisions are taken by the uh, technical teams and the Who team knows? management of how they want their fixtures to, to play out. Oh, I'm shaking but my head. They want to play six games in ten days. Good luck to them. You're hurting me now, Matt. Sorry. It hurts. Hello, I'm Nick Irvin, and you're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Are indeed with the reverse stick. Have we got some more indoor. I oh, just wanted to quick say a couple of quick things. European champions in the men's and women's from the Euro um, Club Championships last weekend, yep. the Indoor Club Cup, Club and uh, Der Club and Ulster from Germany winners over SV Armenien in the men's final 3-1, and Dusseldorfer. 4-2 winners against HDN, the Dutch side, in the women's competition. There is lots and lots more live indoor streaming this weekend, John. We've, let me just, you're right, we've got some outside influences there. Oh, yeah. one of the chickens is coming in. I can hear the chicken. You're right. So we've got the Euro Hockey Indoor Club Trophy, Club Challenge 1 and Club Challenge 2 all taking place this weekend. Uh, that is being streamed live on EuroHockeyTV.org. Uh, certainly from two of the venues. Sorry, it's not, it's not all three. Where are we? It's coming from, uh, the Indoor Club Trophy coming from here. We are 
Tiaulai in Lithuania. I don't believe that's a real place name. And uh, much easier Porto, Not the way you por- Porto, Porto in Portugal for the Euro Hockey Indoor Club Challenge. Get your eyes onto eurohockeytv.org all weekend. Yeah. Good coverage. Great to see. Um, that's about it for that sort of news, isn't it? Yeah. There's been other news. How about we get to some retirements quickly? Because there's been some significant retirements. Well, a trio. 21, 21 years in the game. S. Kumar, Malaysian goalkeeper. International Great. retirement, gone. Eugene McGee from Ireland, 15 years at the top, 295 caps. He's called it a day. And uh, the most recent news after 18 years at the top, Alex Danson, former GB captain, has uh, decided to hang up the boots, the stick. Um, obviously, a lot of coverage over Alex um, over the I past 18 months or so with the um, significant head injury and the recovery to um, try to, to get back into the game and make it to Tokyo, and uh, she's decided to pull the plug, and enough's enough, and time to concentrate on other things. Well, it's the end of their international careers, playing careers, but hopefully they've got a far longer career in the game than than, than now, and that there's, they'll find their niche in their path. Yeah, They absolutely. might play, they might be coaching, might do all sorts of things, but hopefully they're, they're not lost to the game, and I think we should be... Uh, very mindful of the sacrifices they've made for their country's national teams. Given that we know hockey players get paid bugger all, um, I bet none of them got superannuation for their multi years of service to their nation, um, as any other worker would get, especially in this country in England. Don't know what the labour laws are in Malaysia, but you would be. Anyway, that's another argument. We'll get to that. I think he might. Time. I think I think Kumar's had a career as well. For some reason, I'm thinking police officer, but I'm not. Yeah. That would well, be that totally sh- wrong. That should, that should stand separate to the fact that you know the guy's put in 20 odd years of fantastic service for yeah. his country, and and will walk away for all of that service with just people slapping his back and telling him he's done a good job. And I think. Oh yeah, apart from the minor indiscretion a couple of years ago, which saw him out of the game for a while. But, yeah, but you know. You know um, the point being is that that's a tremendous amount of service for essentially to walk away with nothing at the end of it except memories. Yeah. And um, they deserve the highest praise for sticking with it for as long as they that they did. And for being the fantastic players they both were. Kumar, the height of his powers, he was a sensational Oh, yeah, yeah fantastic, yeah. fantastic goalkeeper. No doubting that. Um, um, but, but, yeah, still still playing at 40. And so you did well. You turned off the email on the computer today. Yeah, but I did. And then you didn't silence the phone. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, we're getting there. It's on mind silence. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so congratulations to all those players. Outstanding. Brilliant. Don't leave the game. Stay with us. Keep your hockey career alive. Yeah, yeah. Although in Malaysia, it's hard to keep it alive when you keep getting sacked as a coach, isn't it? Now, it's, what's uh, going on in Malaysia? Well, I did read. You sent me a message the other day from somebody who, was, uh, who passed it on to you um, from the outgoing women's coach. He uh, was obviously asked to reapply for his job. He decided against it. I've seen he's uh, picked up a job with East Java in Indonesia. Um, hasn't hung around, said, uh, thanks very much, see you later. Um, lots of politicking still going on there in uh, Malaysian hockey. Pinnacle of the of the, the men's tournament, though, the, the Hockey League Cup final is on this weekend. Uni yeah. our favourites in there looking to... Uh, to beat last year's winners. What are you looking at now? Are you just I'm, pulling that up? There? I'm, I'm just looking at this. Um, well, the guy accidentally sent um, a message to a whole group of people instead of to one person. 
Well, and you, you think? Potentially that could have been the case. It's ended up with me. Um, but he... <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. Because the guy wasn't told he'd been sacked, basically. He found out through the newspapers or whatever, or friends or whatever, and... Um, yeah. It's, well, there's one one line that just I'm just looking at here. That situation has created unnecessary tension in my relationship with my employer, and I think that's what it's all about. There is uh, there's been an employee employer employer um, disagreement. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of challenges in Malaysia that are personality based. Would that be fair to say? Is it, there seem to be people there that are, are not quite uh, willing to play for the team? No, there's, I think there's a lot of tribal stuff goes on there and there's a lot of regional stuff and everyone's trying to get the best outcomes for their own regions. Well, I don't know that it's even about getting the best outcome for their regions. Or individuals within those regions. Yeah, I think that's more of the case. I'm definitely sure it's more of the case. But um, we're going to keep an eye on what's happening in Malaysia because I think it's a very important part of the hockey world, even though it probably goes, slips by the wayside with most Europeans and they don't care that much. There's been a lot of infrastructure spending in Malaysia. They've got some great hockey facilities there. Yeah. And they have made a serious effort to raise the profile and make the sport professional. They have tried making... They've got a professional league going there. Australian players go and play there. Um, Dutch players go Dutch and play Dutch players there. go and play yeah, there. And, and trying to raise the bar for the game. So the, a lot of really good things have happened in Malaysia. And it's just it's a little bit annoying when some of this other petty stuff starts to crop up there. And if they could get their act together off the field a bit more in region areas such as compliance and governance, they would be killing a pig. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe, Stick maybe, a pig. maybe not the best animal to use there. Oh, yeah, okay. Apologies. That's a bit culturally appropriate, isn't it? They'd be choking the chicken. Can I say that? No, that's another thing where you can't say that. This is Pumalela Mbandes, captain of the champion Blind River Bunters, and you are listening to the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Uh, Talking about South African hockey, I actually yes. caught up uh, finally with the last episode of Hockey 24-7 podcast with Tyron Jabu Barnard and Derek Alberts. Undoubtedly uh, excellent. It. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, interviewing Nick Spooner, South African international, who also applies his trade in, in Germany. Really good chat with Nick and some quite insightful stuff about his time playing in the Hockey India League and time playing in Europe and aspirations to the future and some of the struggles that South African hockey has in um, playing enough high quality games within the country to get those players ready to then step up and, and, and take it to another level. Really good interview. Check out Hockey 24-7 podcast. You mentioned Hockey India League there. It's another mark of all the great work that is actually going on in Malaysia. And Malaysia had a professional hockey league before the Hockey India yes, yeah. and they've still got a professional hockey league after the the Hockey India experiment. Yeah, well, talking about, in mind. talking about Hockey India experiment, there was a tweet yesterday coming out uh, looking for interest from Hockey India, from the fans, to see who would be keen in a Hockey Fives version of the FIH Pro League. Sorry, of the Hockey Dreams Foundation FIH Pro League. 
I think um, our mate Tansy Lee summed up the response to that best when he suggested that the, uh, they would have to build a new eight-seater stadium <laughs> to hold the crowd. There was eight retweets, but one of them was us, which I inadvertently retweeted to make a, a, a stupid comment, and, uh, and then thought, oh, shit, I've just endorsed it. But anyway, we're lucky it was only one of eight. I've got to tick the box on the thing now. What? It's all right. Um, yeah, so uh, let's. I'm not sure where we go. There, 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 there wasn't there wasn't a huge response anyway from no. that post that went out. Uh, the Cookaburras came back because it, it it was initiated with a conversation about um, nicknames of players and have you got five nicknames that will match ours and that suddenly morphed into a conversation about hockey fives that I don't Clever. think. Well, I don't. Clever. Well, I don't. It wasn't for the Hockey Australia representative on Twitter because I don't think they were aware of the concept of hockey fives from the, from what they tweeted. But um, yeah, thankfully, anyway, said no. We'll just stick to the eleven-side format of the game at the moment. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Not you, nines. You mentioned Africa, and there's been uh, an announcement during the week. Oh, yes, and yes, that yes. includes Africa. That is. A, Half of the announcement is fantastic, and the other half of the announcement well, has left people scratching their heads. So you go to fih.ch, and on they've got the little boxes there of the news, different pages you can go to. The headline at the top of the page, first FIH Hockey Junior World Cup on African soil. Fantastic, you think. You read on. The next Women's FIH Hockey Junior World Cup will be held in Potchefstroom, South Africa, in 2021. While the dates will be determined later, FIH can confirm that the competition will be played towards the end of that year. It's the first time that the African continent will organise the pinnacle of junior hockey. Great. Fantastic news. Next line. The men's edition will be staged in India. Venue and dates will be confirmed at a later stage, but the event will also take place at the end of 2021. The FIH Hockey Junior World Cup involves the best of young talents globally. The men's edition will be staged in India. Now, that wasn't a surprise. We saw the news come out two or three days from um, some sources in India that it was likely to be announced there. Uh, I don't know who else actually put their hands up to host it, John. We, we weren't privy to that information this time around. Um, great to see, like you said, uh, a, a first junior Women's World Cup to be, well, World Cup, but it happens to be the Women's World Cup in South Africa. Um, Interesting that uh, India have got the Men's Junior World Cup. You'd think they'd have the capacity to take on the Women's World Cup, wouldn't you? They're a little bit bereft of high-quality Indian women's competitions or world competitions happening uh, at home for the Indian women. Seem to be a little bit more focused on on the men's game. Well, frankly, Matt, I I don't understand why all hockey isn't moved to uh, India. Uh It's obviously the place to be. Uh, You know, Euro hockey, if you're listening, just... Move the Euros to India. It's obviously the best way to grow the game is by moving the game to India. Not, it appears that that is the FIH's strategy at well, the moment. Well, if it is, then I think the strategy should be, mate, and we've said this before, move the FIH head office to India. We'll save well, a hell of a lot of money. It would. And can you suggest a city? Well, let's go to Delhi, and I reckon we could find some executive suites to put a few people up um, as and when they were required. Or get Jimmy onto it. Yeah, all right. So he'll, he'll find some decent accommodation. Yeah. Well, he'll find some accommodation. And we'll, get, and we'll get you some work in a florist if you're struggling to uh, <laughs> find a bit of coin. It, it, it did it did rankle people, that decision. Oh, didn't it ever. Um, There's a hell of a, a backlash. I've got to say, a mainly European backlash um, oh, on, on, so, on social media. You got that quote from Leandro Negre there? Oh, that I sent you the other day. Yeah. Oh. Read that out. 
So yeah, this was from 2012, uh, Leandro Negre. It was one of my goals as FIH president to see the Congress move around to all of our continental federations, he said. The last two Congresses were in the United States, Switzerland and Malaysia, uh, sorry, Switzerland, and Malaysia and with Morocco and then later Ireland. We are well on the way to meeting that goal. And it seemed to be at that time um, that a, a, a willingness vision. to move things around. That was the vision. Spread the game, yeah. grow the game by spreading it around. And now, how many years later, what have we got? Well, the exact opposite. What have we got? The exact opposite. I tell you what, the track record over the, the term of the current president is terrible. Just lay it out on a spreadsheet and look at it, and it is damning, and he's going to get in again. And that's just, if hockey allows that to happen, if the people in the positions in the sport that can affect the change don't do something about it, they are responsible and should be held financially responsible by the <laughs> for the outcomes of their decisions. Financially responsible. There's no money in there. There's there's, there's only Olympic well, money board, in there. Board members are. Board members are financially yes, yes, responsible yeah, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, decisions yeah. they make. Yeah. And they should be held to account. And all all the the the, the, ter- the whole term of the current president's no, but reign the, but has been failure after failure after failure. But the answer is the funding is that is coming in, but it's coming in from India. No, so, so, so they're not so they're not financially responsible. They're, they're not in the hole financially because it's being covered by the promise of um, money for events from India. So that's not a money guaranteed four have. a guaranteed four point four million dollars from the men's World Cup is what's on the table for the FIH for it being held there. Now from, we've also from spoken as, government. No, well, from Adisha. From government. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. From from Adisha. But here's the, the situation in in Adisha is is that they make it so easy for Hockey India and the FIH. They take everything on board. All all of the planning, the accommodation. They just they just take care of it, and they're very good at doing it. Uh, so if you've got the proposition like the FIH have had. It's all taken care of for you. You haven't got, you got to get your hands dirty at ground level. Plus, you're going to walk away with a nice big fat check from it. How could you say no? How could you say no? Well, I don't believe there is a big fat check. I, I don't believe there is a big fat check. Where is it? Where is it? Well, you'll find out just after the Men's Hockey World Cup. <laughs> Won't you? No. And you know it'll be the biggest check you've ever bloody seen. Size of a goal. <sighs> no, I'm serious. Where where is the money? Look look at the cutbacks well, that have been made. Yeah, in I the know. Game. I, I I couldn't tell you where the money is because I don't see the FIH accounts. Does anybody? No. <sighs> Search them out. Uh, you are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey. Podcast. Don't forget, you can catch up with us on all of the socials on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, all at the Reverse Sticker. Of course, you can get in touch direct to John or myself. It's either John at the Reverse Stick.net or Matt at the Reverse Stick.net. We're talking about funding, John. Exactly. A good segue, Matt. Um, we were talking about funding. We've heard in the last week that the Hockey Roos here in Australia are facing a 60% funding slash cut. Burn um, for the next Olympic cycle. 
Uh, the, head, the headline from The Australian on February the 19th, 9.29am, a piece by Jacqueline Magnay, and page just popped up there. Isn't it annoying when it does that? Uh, Jacqueline Magnay and Jessica Halloran. Uh, the headline being, Hockey Roos going from Golden Girls to funding scrap heap. Australian Institute of Sport directors believe the future of one of the country's flagship women's sporting teams, the Hockey Roos, is so dismal that it slashed future funding to the team by 60%. In a brutal analysis, the AIS bosses have determined that the women's team, which hasn't won an Olympic medal in five cycles, has no hope of being on the podium at the 2024 Olympics in Paris. That is so annoying. Who are these people? Do they not... uh, You work for who? The Australian... Institute of Sport. Well, here's the, the kick. Australian Sports Commission. How can you not understand sport and and get a job in these institutions? Well, because this, they clearly do not this understand. This is the third ranked best team in the world at the moment. And we're not talking about the, the Tokyo Games. Um, this is the kicker with it, though, John. Runners while, up in the last Pro League. While the women's funding has been slashed, the men's hockey team, the Kookaburras, won a bronze Olympic medal in London 2012 and are considered a podium chance at the Tokyo Olympics, which start in July and Paris 2024. The men's team has had a funding increase. Surely the, the, the girls' team, sorry, surely the hockey ruse are a podium chance in Tokyo of as well. Of course they are. Say? I mean... Oh, well, Matt okay. Favier, the Hockey Australia CEO, is quoted and saying it will be a uh, kick in the guts. We're really concerned about not only the risk of reduced funding that may play out for hockey, but f- for the entire sporting community. He said, at a time when youth sport participation is being challenged, youth obesity is on the rise, reducing levels of investment in sports such as hockey. He's done it to me again. This, this is not a good website. I don't like you very much. Um, reducing levels of investment in sports such as hockey would be a real kick in the guts. Now, I don't know how much of that, that money and that funding actually goes to grassroots hockey. But no, but what, what happens is that program will stay and the money that's supposed to be going to grassroots will now have to be funneled to there. That's yeah. what Matt's saying. Yeah. Not, not that the grassroots, not that the, yeah, the funding cut is directly cutting the funding to grassroots sport, but the knock-on effect will be that. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just... well, they're, they're in all sorts of trouble, the, the, the AIS. They've, uh, they've basically moved to being you know, purely a, a grant administration uh, business. Uh, yeah. the pe- oh, it's nothing the, like it was the in pe- the heydays. The people in the key roles live all over the country and fly in willy-nilly to meetings, business class. They're paying ridiculous amounts of money to consultants. Um, it's cheaper for players to stay in hotels close to the AIS than it is to stay in the AIS itself. You know, it, it, it's, it's it goes on and on and on and on. And, and it was a model for the rest of the world at one stage. Now all things change, and et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's become a bureaucratic behemoth that doesn't represent sport at all. It's just become a bureaucracy to dole money out. And I don't know that they dole out that much. No, actually, but, well, no, it's getting doled out to the administrators within those roles. And there's a lot of problems going on with Australian sport at the top end with Coates Wiley thing that's going on. Yeah, at the well, this is all this is all mixed into it. Yeah. Um, and then you you throw in on top of that the imposition of things like pro leagues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a lot of uh, pressure on the funding model as it's as it stands, and it's it's a problem is been brewing in this sport, our sport, hockey, the one we love for a long time, 
and it's going to only get worse, and that's the reliance on the government teat to keep the game running. Well, just the, the back, back end on this article. But just how much of the money the AIS provides actually gets filtered down to sport? Around 130 million Australian dollars is available for top performance sports, including Paralympics, winter sports, and some non-Olympic sports. Some believe much less than half gets spent on core athlete needs like coaching or scholarship support. Simon Baker, the 1986 Com Games walk champion and four-time Olympian, has been arguing for more transparency on funding. In 2018, he wrote to the then sports minister, Bridget McKenzie, there's another story, saying that taxpayers needed to know their money was going to those that deserve it. He told the minister, it went to just the right person there, didn't it? He told the minister, a simple deconstruction of the National Athlete Support Structure funding to athletes and the Athletics Australia budget would conclude much less than half actually gets to athletes who are required to deliver the objectives of the high-performance program. On Tuesday, he told the Australian that sports are not well-resourced to run the programs that used to be handled by the AIS. Compounding the problem, the cost of the AIS increased from cost recovery to commercial rates, Baker said. Rowing ended up renting flats over the road from AIS, which worked out cheaper than using AIS. <laughs> you know, there you go. Uh, look, and to put it in a hockey perspective, how much does a, an international player make? It's about 300 bucks a week or 37 36 uh, grand or something the, like that, I think. Australia, which is a pretty, in this country, a, a low wage. Yeah. You would be, you, to live on that, you would struggle to pay rent and all that sort I, of stuff. I do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, on top of that, you're a 10-year player living on a subsistence wage, and at the end of your 10 years of service, what do you get? Jack nothing. Uh, Jack nothing. Well, often not even a phone call. Did you read the press release? <laughs> but You know, your mum's called you up because she saw it in the paper. And, and it's, it's part, of the, part of the problem is the way that the sport is funded. Now, none of the people who allocate all this funding and make all these funding decisions and stuff walk away from their job after 10 years with Jack all. They, they get a lovely little bit of superannuation topped on the top of it, and they get all sorts of other benefits. But an international sports person representing your country will put 10 or 12 or 14 years worth of dedication or longer into it and walk away with nothing. And that is wrong. And it's a a form of slavery, in my opinion. Vive la revolution, John. Vive la revolution. revolution. But look, it's, it's the problem with the way that we fund our sport and we have failed to develop professional leagues. We've failed to allow the game to stand on its own two feet and we sit there at the drip tray of government funding and whinge and complain when situations like this happen. And we have a right to whinge and complain. Don't worry about that. But the path has been set 30 or 40 years ago and now we are finally getting to the realisation of that. Well, in this equally amazing time, John, you've just got to look back less than 12 months when the Prime Minister here, Scott Morrison, was on the campaign <laughs> trail and there was a, a hasty turnabout of a plane from what I heard and he landed back in Perth. I and mean, this was after a bit of pressure. I think Tyler Lovell put a couple of tweets out and some others were tweeting about the facilities and suddenly... The Prime Minister exactly. visited Curtin University on a fly-in, fly-out visit to Western Australia on Monday as part of a nationwide liberal pork-barrel sprinkling of cash on sporting facilities. Morrison announced a $600,000 upgrade of the female change room and recovery amenities if his government is returned to power at the May 18 election. They, of course, were um, returned, and I don't know if that, that work's been completed there yet or not, John. The nice new uh, turf stand there. Um, 
But there was um, a certain spotlight on female sport and funding for female sport at the time pre-election there. There was. Well, where the hell has that gone now then? Who knows? You know, Cookerboroughs can keep your funding. I'm sorry, ladies, you're, you're going to lose 60%. And put it this this has all got to be born in terms of a government that's doling out um, sports grants uh, for swimming pools. Swimming pools, new shooting tracks. But the and... Swimming pools to people that didn't even apply yeah. to have them. Yeah. Here, but have they, a swimming pool. But they pool. happened to be in the right electorate that was looking to uh, get re-election. But some of them have said, we don't want it. Yeah. We don't want it. Well, here's your swimming pool. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy stuff. And that's the quicker we can divorce our sport from the shenanigans that go on in the world of politics, the better off it will be. Well, John... Before I go, we've just got to touch on uh, divorce and shenanigans. Oh, well, I'm sure there's no potential divorce there. Are we there. going? Well, yeah, we're going, yeah. I've, uh, I've got to get in the car and go and pick up the little ones from school. Have you? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Daddy. Um, that's all right. We've got four minutes. Okay. Um, I'll get the outro ready. The big, um, the big social media scandal of the week was uh, that Instagram post. Uh, now, if you're not all over this, there was a young Argentinian fan who uh, was on Instagram with a uh, pitch side for the Netherlands versus Argentina game uh, with a board saying something along, along the lines of, Sander, can I have your shirt, please, number yeah. number 14? Off the top of my head, could be right, could be wrong. Um, and that went on to Instagram. And then the young lady seemed to get a response to the post that she'd, she'd put up there, um, direct from Dutch international Sander de Vins, um girlfriend from his partner, also a, a hockey player. And that was a publicly... She responded yeah, in, in a Your Stories thing with Instagram, if you so don't know what you're doing with that. anybody that clicked on that post would have seen they, they, it. They not could have read that, not a direct so. message. Well, apparently it was meant to be a direct message um, between the lovers, um, from I think it was Rene to, to Sander. Um, unfortunately, the content of that message was... Um, Oh, a little bit spiteful, we can probably put it that way, and made a comment towards the physical appearance of the young lady that was holding the the board up. Now, uh, apparently Sander got in touch direct with the page on Instagram that had posted it and uh, apologised on behalf of his partner and asked that they remove the post. They said, no way, buddy. It stayed up. It's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments including from Argentinian international players that were, were there on the day. Um, not only that, we, f- we find that uh, the Dutch hockey board come out with a statement. Well, it wasn't much of a statement, was it? They were aware of it, and it's sort of very naughty, but they didn't really condemn what, what was said. It was one of those situations where it's probably better to say nothing than, uh, than get involved or certainly look to, to deal with it personally. Um, but it wasn't helpful them coming out with a statement at that time. Uh, we then had a lot of people baying for the blood of this young lady that had made the post, which I don't think is particularly helpful either, um, vilifying someone. Yes, she could have made a mistake. All right, maybe it was something which was pretty nasty to, to have written. It was meant to be personal, uh, a, a private conversation. It doesn't make the, the sentiment of the comments any nicer or any better. But stopping her from playing hockey... Um, you know, driving her out of the game, pushing people to make comments on her social media feeds. That's not what the hockey family's all about. Yes, she may have done wrong, um, but I don't think it reflects particularly well on us with some of the responses that came out. Of course, we then did get a response from the FOH. We did. Guess who they've called into action? Dun, 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 dun. Integrity unit. 
Integrity Squad would be better, wouldn't you it? You reckon Integrity yeah. Squad? Yeah, well, it is Integrity. What do you unit, reckon yeah. the uniform should be? <laughs> I don't know. Knee high black boots. Yeah. Big black coat. Uh huh. Something like that. Sharp lapels. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. That, that'd be there. Their own little flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A secret handshake. Yeah. Um, Some tight facial grooming. <laughs> oh, what a, what a. Well, the FIH just stepped in. What do you think of, of that? Like, they've stepped in swifter than this than they did with the, um, the goal, the, the umpiring, video umpiring controversy <laughs> between did. Ireland and Canada. They did. And they've got such a great track. Record of sending people with misdemeanours to the integrity, integrity unit, yeah. yeah. Well, integrity squad. Integrity squad. But I think <laughs> I think uh, it's been refreshed since our last major um, referral there from the man at the top, mm. yeah, which is good, isn't it? Yeah, wonder wonder whether the referral would have changed the decision that was handed down in that case if the, the change in the referral system. Well, it's just just what what would your take be then on on the whole on situation? The, on, on, or just what should what should happen to the young lady who responded? Okay, I've as outlined by you then the situation. Um, she's made a mistake, like we said, kiddies. Check your work before you hand it to teacher. Um, that doesn't, as you also said, that doesn't mitigate. A, well, it does a little bit. What she said was wrong. No one can, you know, you don't say that publicly. No one would ever would say that that's the right thing to say publicly. No. But there's plenty of people that say, oh, you shouldn't say that publicly, that would say the same thing privately. Uh-huh. Okay, let's let's not kid ourselves well, about I know what some goes of things, on in private well, conversations. Yeah, some of the things you say to me, I'm a border. It's just, it's just shocking, but fortunately yeah. the mics aren't on. That's right. Um, you can imagine some of the um, lowbrow stuff that comes out between Matt and I when the microphones aren't on. Yeah, we save the highbrow stuff for you guys. <laughs> that's right. Um Look, what what I find very interesting about this is that a contact is made back and an apology offered and the other person goes, oh, no, I'm milking this. That's how it appears to me. Okay, if if someone makes a genuine mistake and it's hurtful, say say someone down the hockey club says something hurtful to you. I don't know. Okay, and they come back and say, sorry, mate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if the apology went direct to the young lady that was... Um... Okay, well, see, that changes circumstance as well. So all, all of these different things, you hear this, you hear that, blah, blah, blah. What does seem to come through is that it was a private conversation that should never have gone public. And yeah. when you do that and it's your mistake, you've got to own it. Yeah. Now, if the apology was going to come from anybody, it should have come from the person who made the post, not their boyfriend or their grandmother or anybody else. Yeah. It should have come directly from them... And it should have been... Although you did get your mum to ring me that one time when you upset me, remember? And it it should have been made publicly in the the same forum that the outrageous slur was made. Yeah. Okay, so... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then delete post and leave it alone. The fact the post has been left up there, maybe that's a sign that a a proper apology has not been made in Mm -hmm. the determination of the person who's been slighted. Yeah. As far as integrity units go, oh, mate, I mean, if you're opening the can on this one, <laughs> you know... You don't want to come down pitch side to us on a Saturday well, afternoon. No, I'm, I'm just... I just wonder if you're not in danger of painting yourself into a corner. 
And, and it's not that there'll be other people that get caught out in the same way and you'll have to deal with them the same. It's where the bar sets. So if someone does something slightly, what, how much of the penalty is, is going to be very interesting to see. Mate, I said four minutes. Like, we've just gone seven there. I think we have. Jeez, I've really got to go. The kids are going to be left at the gate. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll catch you next week for show 133 of yeah. the Reverse Dick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Enjoy your hockey this weekend. Bit of Pro League, bit of Euro indoors. Hopefully uh, the weather's good with you wherever you are and you can actually get a game in. Yes, enjoy. Bugger off, fun. Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> have fun, mate. I'll catch you soon. Thanks for everybody. Uh, Read Hockey World News. Yep. Thanks Let us for, know what yep. you think. Thanks we'll for, talk about it. Thanks for everybody. Read Hockey thanks World for, News. That's it. Hooroo. Call me, Jerry. Call me.